This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. Let's go to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. We're talking with the great Terry Francona. I know everybody poo-poos baseball fights. They're like, hey, you go out there and everybody's just talking yeah. and shoving. But when you get out there, man, those guys are big. They they get after yeah. it. And when they get after it, man, look out. It makes you a little nervous. Robin Ventura still won't talk about Nolan Ryan to, to this day. He, he wants <laughs> nothing with that conversation. Listen to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. And welcome back into the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Week four is here. It's an NFC North matchup tonight. Lambeau Field, the Packers, two and one. The Lions also two and one. Green Bay fresh off that 17 to nothing comeback victory, 18 to 17 was the final Jordan Love survives a bad start. So that should be fun tonight. I'm going over in this contest. Do I have the balls to go over in Chicago, Denver Sunday? Maybe I'll have a better answer after visiting with Mark Schlereth, a three-time Super Bowl champion. You know him from ESPN, from his soap opera days, because he's Hollywood handsome as well as cowboy tough. He does a great job in Denver on the fan and also the Stinking Truth podcast. God, what uh, what a contest we have in Soldier Field this this coming Sunday, Stink. And everybody wants to fire away on the Broncos' defense, and why wouldn't you? But every time I looked up, Denver was laying the ball on the ground as well, and that team quit, man. And I don't know if there's anything worse than you can say about a football team. It just stopped playing, didn't it? Uh, well, I don't know that it stopped playing. It just got its ass kicked so thoroughly up and down the field in every in every facet of the game. I mean, you can sit there and say 726 yards of total offense, but the thing that concerns me is 350 yards rushing. Um, it's unheard of. A three and and it didn't matter what like scheme they were running. It didn't matter what play they were calling. They were gashing them at about eight and a half yards, maybe 8.8 yards per carry. And it was one of the darndest things that I've ever watched. Um, it was, it, I mean, it was pathetic at every level. But the bottom line is they walked into that game. It felt like they were so afraid of Tyreek Hill's speed that they decided that's all we're going to try to defend. And therefore, they gave every crossing route, whether it was a shallow cross, a low cross, a deep cross, it was wide open. Um, they didn't stop anything in the run game because they wouldn't commit an extra body to the run game. Uh, it was, and the fact that Vance Joseph, their defense coordinator, didn't make one adjustment. Like, I always look back to my own playing career and said, you know, if I'm getting my ass kicked, then I've got my ass kicked plenty. Um, the bottom line, I give up a couple of, of sacks or I give up a couple of uh, tackles for losses and, and I'm, I'm really struggling. I, I will tell you this, I'm going to take something away from you. And the bottom line is you may win the day and I may grade out horribly, but you're going to walk back to the locker room with a bloody nose. And that was the disappointing factor for me with, with Denver is they, they never said, okay, we're going to take one thing away. Okay, 
throw it over my head for 400 yards. I get it, or 500 yards like they did in the opening weekend in Miami. But you ain't running it down my throat. That's I'm just I won't allow that to happen. And they let him run it down their throat. They let him run it to the edge of the defense. They let him throw him over over the top. They let him throw it underneath. There was nothing that they defended. And frankly, I'm t- I'm telling you this. You know, Sean Payton coming out in, in preseason and and saying that Nathaniel Hackett coach team was the worst coach team he'd ever witnessed in his entire life. Well, bend over, Buttercup, because that's the worst coach game in the last six decades. That was the worst, and you checked off on that freaking game plan. You checked off on it. So um, that was, you want to talk about karma being a bitch? Well, that's a bitch, because you just got bent over. Bent over, Buttercup. Uh, I want a T-shirt that says bent over, Buttercup. I don't, I don't <laughs> know if the Bears have the ability to bend him over this weekend, but... Sean Payton, and I like Sean, uh, man, 18 million a year. If memory serves correctly, mm-hmm. God almighty. And, and you, you don't want to continue to, to even think about doing a re-rack, but I'm sure that that's something that's already being tossed around at least in corner saloons in Denver and on, on talk radio on, on your show and others. How's how's yeah. Peyton doing there in terms of his approval rating with this 0-3 start? Oh, it, it's bad. And it wasn't good to begin with because, you know, Sean Payton is Sean Payton. He comes off as fairly arrogant. And I would just tell you that most coaches that uh, that coach in this league are very arrogant. Like I always used to say, you think the Eagles are big downstairs in the locker room? Walk upstairs to the coach's offices. Those are where you find the biggest Eagles in football. And so – but, you know, that's part, part of that bravado is what makes Sean successful over all the years that he's coached. So, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, the fact that you're sitting there getting throttled, that you're giving up 40, you know, 40 plus points per game, you're the worst defense in the National Football League. Um, offensively, you can't score touchdowns in the second half. Yeah, it's a problem. You know, it's a big problem. So that's kind of where we sit right now as an organization. Uh, people aren't happy. They're not happy with Sean. They're not happy with the results. Uh, and they shouldn't be. You know, Broncos country, you look at this proud franchise. This was a, a jewel in the crown of the National Football League for three decades under under Pat Bolin. Um, and it's a it's a joke. It's a laughing stock. I like I'll give you for instance, I've never seen anything like this. I, like a couple of things. One, some rookie named Devin A. Chain had such success against the Broncos that he he changed his name to Devon Achan. Like that. I mean, he went from Devin A. Chain to Devon Achan. Like it won 200 yard game rushing. Like I can no longer go by this name. The artist formerly known, the artist formerly known as A Chain. Like you know, you just whip somebody's ass when that happens to you. And then something I've never seen in 12 years of playing and 24 years of covering this game with ESPN and then now with Fox over the last six years and, and, you know, on the radio and all the other things I do, the Stinking Truth podcast. I have never one time, like offensive linemen, we are fat, we are lazy, it is hot, we don't want to be on the ground. It's just like I have to get myself off the ground once I go on the ground. Mostert, uh, Raheem Mostert, ran a 20-yard touchdown in the red zone and broke it to the right-hand side, went in, dove to the pylon, touchdown. Offensive linemen um, – Austin, I think it's Austin Jackson. They're, they're right tackle, whatever. Number whatever 73. Yeah, I saw yeah. you tweet that the other day. It was hysterical. Comes trotting down and does a somersault in the end. Like, this is so easy. 
These guys are so bad. This is so easy that I have energy to do somersaults in the end zone. That's how bad the Broncos are right now. It's the, it's the, I've never seen anything that I've never seen anything like it. Like I, I am so embarrassed for, for my former organization. I can't even tell you. It just is, uh, it's like I said, it's the worst coach game in the last six decades. That tackle should change his name to something else. If he yeah, right. salt in the inch, yeah. he's earned it. How bad is Justin Fields from what you've seen this year and last? And you had a few Bears games last year. I, I know you have Bears games right. when I laugh a little bit because you quote rounders and, and more mm-hmm. guys should yeah. do that. Yeah. I um uh, yeah, uh, Justin Fields is an exceptional athlete that needs to be allowed to play in that platform, the exceptional athlete platform, meaning we have this propensity because it's not letting guys run around and do things with their feet and letting guys, you know, attack the edge and do all the things that that great athletes do. We know that that's not one of those sustainable football models from the quarterback position, and the guys who win Super Bowls win them from the pocket. So we have this desire as as an NFL, as a group, to essentially um, – we want – I'm sorry, I'm at a car dealership, and there's a, a car that has an unbelievable engine going on right now. But we have this desire to turn everybody into something they're not. And we have this desire to do that quickly. And that guy is an exceptional athlete. When you get him on the edge and you give him the RPO game and you let him run, you do all those things that you've done, he's really, he's, he's a really difficult guy to contend with. When you ask him to be more of something that he's not, it's difficult. And when you've been an exceptional athlete, the best athlete on the field your entire life, your default mechanism when things break down, as they often do in the NFL, probably 30% of the time, offensive plays just break down. It's just It just doesn't operate as it was designed. Well, your default mechanism is from the neck down. I'm going to let my athleticism take over, and I'm going to go make a play. When you're trying to be when, – when they're trying to coach you out of that, I think that's a tough adjustment to say all of a sudden you've been able to rely on athleticism and out-athleting people your entire life, but now – we want you to make your default mechanism from the neck up. So quit doing that. Well, I'm sorry. Like that's instinct now. And so I, I think there's a, I think there's a transition that happens in your career, but it's a long, arduous process. And when you try to speed it up, um, I think that a lot of things just don't, that a lot of things fall out of sync. You know, I, here's how I know that I suck at golf. All right. This is how I know. I can pipe a drive 320 yards and I can hit an approach shot, you know, at 200 yards. I can take a seven iron and hit it stiff and have an eagle putt. And I might sink the eagle putt, but the bottom line, I'm going to get a birdie on that par five, right? I mean, it's just going to happen. But then it's the quadruple bogey and the triple bogey and the double bogey, double bogey, followed by another quadruple bogey that tells me I suck at golf, Okay. <laughs> I can make a good shot. I can have a good throw. I can put together a good drive. But can I do it consistently, time in and time out, over and over and over again? And that's the inconsistency that you see in that offense right now. 
And that's what Justin Fields is is dealing with. And that's why, to me, you've got to give him the tools to do what he's best at, even if it puts him in harm's way to a degree. What are your expectations of this game Sunday? Do do the Bears get healthy against that Broncos defense? Well, I, I would tell you this. Right now, I saw on StubHub that you can get a ticket for $2. And... <laughs> And um, I think they're I think they're absolutely sticking it to the fans. Two dollars is way too much to watch this game. Um, I listen that that defense is pathetic. But again, I think like I think the Broncos walked out of that locker room, and it's the most scared team I've ever seen in my entire life. They were so petrified of being beat by the speed of the Miami Dolphins that they basically let them do anything they wanted. Um, you're not going to see that same. Like, one thing about NFL players, um, they're all proud. They all got to the NFL because they, they're exceptional athletes. And they got absolutely embarrassed, um, humiliated, uh, put any, you know, any word you want on that. So you'll see a much better effort and a much, you know, much better plan against the Bears. The other thing is they're not – necessarily afraid of Justin Fields throwing it over their head like they were uh, Tua and they were, you know, Tyreek Hill and all those. So you'll see a much better effort. Um, I still think they're vulnerable in the run. I don't think they've defended the run well. Um, Their edges have not been great at setting edges or defeating blocks on the edge. So I think there's certainly an opportunity not only to run the ball, but run all the play action and the boot keep stuff and use – Justin Fields as a, you know, as an offensive weapon. So I think there's an opportunity for some success against that defense. That is, you know, the worst defense in the National Football League. Yeah, certainly a couple of them that have struggled uh, mightily this year. I want to back up a little bit and, and talk about what it's like when you cannot defend the run. And You'll have to hearken back to your days in Anchorage or at Idaho in the two platoon era. Is there anything you've ever experienced in sports that is more emasculating than having an opposing offense just shove it up your ass running the football? Uh, no, it's the, like you can you can explain away um, an 80-yard bomb over the top of a corner that gets beat or a safety that uh, gets caught up, you know, on an underneath route on a smash and, and the safety gets, you know, the safety gets hung up and, and can't get over to help the corner. Like you, you can explain those things away. Those aren't a physical bludgeoning. Like that's a, like that's a technique mistake. That's a coverage bust. You know, that's one of those things that you can just go, Oh, you know what? We can't let that happen again. Ooh, rats. Um, there's nothing more demoralizing. And I've been on the field, um, when we were just shoving it up the can of an opponent, five yards, seven yards, three yards, eight yards, 12 yards, four yards, five yards. And it's just one run after the next run after the next run. And there's nothing they can do. And they are absolutely gassed, humiliated, uh, screaming at each other. I had a playoff game here in, in Denver against the Jacksonville Jaguars where we put 300 plus yards rushing in a playoff game on the Jags. And that was after the year they beat our ass here in Denver when we were the number one seed. So it was one of those vengeance is mine games. And, um, and there is nothing, there is nothing more gratifying as to, to an offense than being able to do that. Now 
Miami's a little bit different because they had a lot of breakout runs. I mean, they had some big time breakout runs, but even though, even when they didn't, they were just gashing. They like the running backs were not being not being touched until they were four or five yards in to the uh, defensive front seven. So yeah, it was humiliating. But there's nothing more humiliating for the defense uh, to not be able to defend the run, just to get it one after the next, after the next, after the next. My buddy Yurko was on that Jacksonville defense. I partnered with John Yurkovich yeah. on ESPN Radio for eight years, and he regularly points that to that as the longest day of his sports life at any level in any sport. What a pasting it, it was. And what, what a fun team your Broncos teams were for me, because I'm even a little bit older than you are, Mark Schlereth. I mean, uh, I, I love the running game. I love the power. And Terrell Davis, I, I, I was so happy to see him get into Canton. I know the career was short, but but what a stud and what a fun offense you guys had. And I was great. It was great to see Elway get a couple of them to validate his career as if he needed to. Yeah, there was. There's no question. And you know, it's it's funny now because Mike Shannon's been up as a finalist for the Hall of Fame for the last couple of years, and He's been usurped by a couple other guys that I'm not saying they're not deserving, but uh, like Mike Shanahan, when you look at what he he did, you know, coupling that West Coast passing game together with the wide zone run game, um, it honestly is the fabric, or it is the it is the uh, it is the the root, or the the you know the the staple, um, and there's some branches off of it that over half the team league in the league runs right now. I mean, you think about it's Sean McVay, it's, it's you know, Kyle Shanahan, it's Matt LaFleur, it's Zach Taylor, it's, you know, on and on it goes down that tree. And Seattle runs it with Shane Waldron and, and you know, and now with Drew Petzing in Arizona, that's the offense they run. And it's all, like, it's derivatives, but the base root, the base – you know, the base trunk of that tree is Mike Shanahan. And he's like what he developed. And, and you think about, I mean, you think about what he had on his staff when he was in Washington. He had Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur. He had uh, Matt LaFleur. He had Mike McDaniels. He had Sean McVay. I think Zach Taylor came in later. I mean, it, it just is, I mean, it's amazing what that tree has produced and that's all that offense is probably run by 60% like majored by 60% or it's it, the major portion of their offense um probably 60% of the teams that run it right now in the NFL Who's your favorite character in Rounders and would you like to see a Rounders too I would um obviously it's hard to go against Matt Damon in anything that Matt Damon is in but uh, his buddy, oh gosh, what the guy? What's the guy's name? Um, Edward Norton Worm. Yeah, Edward Norton the Worm was that. That was it. That was a great role. That's that. That whole movie is awesome. It's one of my go tos. What I ever do to that guy? You effed his mother. Oh yeah, but yeah. you have to admit she's a pretty good looking woman. See, that's why we need you doing Bears games. We need more yeah. ACDC in Chicago because it's going to be another long freaking year here. Just like you guys are suffering yeah. in Denver, it doesn't look like it's getting any better anytime sooner. And you hate to think about re-racking with a second year head coach and a second year GM, but 
I think everybody's lost their trust in him. You know, you always want to buy in. You want to be optimistic because change is good when what exists isn't good. But, man, these guys in Chicago just aren't showing to have anything right now. And Jalen Carter is just kicking it with the Eagles. Hard to be positive here. Can you give me a reason to be? No, I, I can't. Uh, I wish I, I wish I, hey, listen, like I said, you know, your quarterback is still an exceptionally gifted athlete. And I tell you the thing, when you just mentioned Jalen Carter, when you start to look, and, and I know we get all enamored with quarterbacks and wide receivers and, oh, you know, it's the, the connection and all this garbage. Look at the Philadelphia Eagles. Look at the San Francisco 49ers. Show me the teams that are the top running teams in football, and I'll show you the, the undefeated teams in the National Football League. I'm Dan McNeil, and you're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe if you've not done so already. You can do it anywhere you get your podcast and tell a friend. The Macker isn't done sharing his deep sports thoughts with you. You can find me twice a week, typically on Monday late mornings we drop, and then again later in the week on Thursday. I'm Dan McNeil, and I am not finished saying things about stuff. Every now and again, I like to help you out and give you a bar bet. Here's one for you regarding my guest, Mark Schlereth. Ask your buddies next time you're huddled at the neighborhood corner tavern, who was the first of 10 dudes in the NFL who came from the state of Alaska? And if they say Mark Schlereth, you owe him a beer because Mark Schlereth is the first native-born Alaskan from Anchorage. He didn't get many D1 offers. Hawaii and Idaho. Uh, he chose Idaho. I, I'd have gone to Honolulu, but that's that's just me. Always fun catching up with Mark Schlereth. It's been a long time since I've interviewed him. Had him on, uh, on the set with us at the Pro Bowl with his father years ago, and his father was oh so proud of their Alaskan heritage and that his boy was the first native Alaskan to bust a grape in the NFL, and he went to a bunch of Pro Bowls and won three titles, Super Bowl twenty six with the then Washington Redskins, their win over the Bills in the first of two Minneapolis Super Bowls, and then he was with the Broncos for their championships over the Packers in San Diego in Super Bowl 32 and then Super Bowl 33 in Miami when they beat the Atlanta Falcons. Get extra value this football season with Bet Rivers Squares. Win up to $10,000 in bonus money. 10K in bonuses. Bet $10 in same game parlays with the squares icon and you can earn yourself a square. These Bears do not get my money this weekend, and there are more injuries continuing to pile up, and you wonder how many points the Broncos' offense will score. And this is an offense that hasn't really gotten its act together since the arrival of Russell Wilson, and I wish I would have had even more time to spend with Schlereth to talk about Wilson. This year, the buzz is Sean Payton and how he's put everybody off. Last year, it was Wilson. Wilson's numbers against the Dolphins weren't all that bad. He passed for more than 300 yards. His completion percentage was okay. He's taken better care of the football. I'm not a fan in their wide receiver core very much. Cortland Sutton laid it down twice last weekend. Jerry Judy did not practice. 
with the Broncos Thursday. But here's the rub. The Bears have guys who didn't practice as well Thursday, and it's more guys in the secondary. You're already missing Kyler Gordon, the second-year corner who had hand surgery two weeks ago. Eddie Jackson, the highly paid, rarely visible safety, didn't practice. He's got a foot. And uh, Jalen Johnson is nursing a hamstring. Josh Blackwell, the other corner, um, has issues. He didn't practice Wednesday. I'm telling you, I did what I said I was going to do Monday on my podcast, in case you missed it. I said, I'm going to find me some Marvin Mims, a rookie out of Oklahoma who can flat out fly. Not a real big guy, 5'11", 200 pounds, but Marvin Mims will be my fantasy football savior this week, picking on those Bears defenders who don't belong in a starting lineup or even playing as a reserve this weekend. So I expect uh, I expect Mims to have a big day. Uh, I'm sure Sean Payton wants to get younger players involved since he got a lot of crap out of his one of his key veterans, Sutton, last weekend. So don't be surprised if Mims has a huge role in it. And Javante Williams, if you got him on your roster, the now third-year running back out of North Carolina, play his ass. The Broncos are in as bad a shape as the Bears in many regards, but they still have some playmakers. I, I think I think the running back's going to have a big day. The Bears are underdogs in the game. Here's where we have at Bed Rivers right now. Odds on the NFC North, in case you haven't, refreshed your app lately to take a piece of a pick at this the lions who are slight favorites tonight over the packers at lambeau field remain the favorite of course they're minus 112 green bay is right behind at plus 160 that'll change if the packers win tonight if you think the packers are going to win at home tonight that's going to slide down maybe even to even money so jump on the packers today for the division, if you really believe in this team, and Jordan Love survived a real bad scare the other day because they looked like shit for the first three quarters, trailing 17 to nothing. He was not composed. Um, I, I didn't think Matt LaFleur coached a great game either in the first half against the Saints, but they get a break, and Jameis Winston comes in uh, for an injured Andy Dalton. I'm sorry, yeah, I, I keep wanting to say Andy Dalton. Derek Carr. I, I confuse the two, um, Derek Carr, the, the next journeyman, soon to be Andy Dalton, where he just floats around the league every other year and ca- catches a check. And uh, All right, Packers plus 160. The Vikings are plus 550. Where are the 0-3 Bears to win the NFC North? They're plus 2,500. Plus 2,500 for the Bears. I've been thinking, as I told you I was going to, on the worst year in Chicago sports history. And this is going to be a podcast that that merits a guest who was around during the year. And I, I'm, not, I'm not certain if I'm going to pick 1997, but that's the one that comes to mind more than any on a horribly frustrating year in Chicago sports history. What gives me pause is this is an NBA title by the Bulls. That's pretty significant. That's more than the Cubs making a run at a wild card this year. And, oh, this series in Atlanta is just so Cub, isn't it? Blowing a 6 to nothing lead in game one and losing that game as shades of Brant Brown were resurrected. 
in the form of Seiya Suzuki. And then Wednesday night, yeah, they had a three to one lead. They squander the lead. They take another lead. The Braves catch them. The Cubs get a lead in extra innings, and the Braves finish them six to five. Just a, an awful first two games of that series. But the Cubs were awful in 97. They won 60 some games. That was the year they started, I think, 0 and 16 or something like that. They had a long, long stretch to start the year without a win. The Blackhawks underachieved. They were a below 500 hockey team under head coach Craig Hartsburg. The Bears came out of the gate horribly, losing their first seven amidst a 4-12 and season. They, they turned it around a little bit in December, and it wound up saving Dave Wanstead's job for one more year uh, before they went to uh, Dick Geron after they screwed up the Dave McGinnis hiring. But uh, and the White Sox were bad in 97. The acquisition of Albert Bell didn't matter. He had a monster year. He had two outstanding years with the Sox, but they were, they were a sub-500 team, and expectations were high with the signing of A. Bell. So that's where I'm leaning, but I want to get a guest and I want to, I want to get more, more just than the, the records of these teams and the evidence of failure by not getting to the postseason, other than the bulls winning the NBA championship is the vibe those teams created. Because I think when you're talking about the worst year in Chicago sports history or any team sport, any city's sports history, it's more than just the records. It's about what the expectations were of those teams going in, how those expectations were altered along the way, whether based on good play or bad play, what the team did to patch up areas of need during the season or didn't do, and as important as anything, how the players and coaches and managers and front office people comported themselves. Were they an easy team to dislike? You know, there have been some real dislikable, unlikable teams in recent years. The White Sox, two years running, other than the center fielder, F them all, right? I mean, who do you like on that? And they traded your your buddy Jake Berger, <laughs> who's getting it done, by the way, in the Miami Marlins uniform. This this year's vibe from uh, from all of them. Uh, other than the Cubs, has been absolutely nightmarish. So it's a lot more than just wins, losses, you know, bodies through the doors. It's it's about the vibe those teams created. So I'm gonna I'm gonna spend some time thinking about it over the weekend when I'm not winning a ton of money because I'm gonna be real busy on my Bet Rivers app this weekend and I'm gonna be smart. I'm gonna make just a couple of plays and you can follow me on Twitter at Danny Mac Show. Sunday morning, I will post my best plays based on our numbers at Bet Rivers. I'm staying away from the Bears and Broncos, although I'm tempted to go over in that game. Man, it is tough not to be drunk on the Miami Dolphins. You want to you want to keep rolling with Team McDaniel? I'm not going to say don't do it, but uh, as this continues to go, the the numbers are going to get higher and higher for Miami. Although they find themselves in a weird position this week of being underdogs because they have the vaunted bill. Yeah. There are some awful games coming up on Thursday night football. Enjoy Packers and Lions tonight because the Bears and Commanders are next. 
And then I think we have a Broncos-Chiefs game coming up soon. So you'll get another look at Sean Payton as if this Sunday weren't going to be enough. Enjoy week four. This is fun stuff, isn't it? Win or lose, right? It's always more fun when you win, but the thing is you you keep playing because as Mikey McDermott taught us in Mark Schlera's movie, Rounders, you can't lose what you don't put on the table, but you can't win very much either. I want to thank Adam Delavitt, Deli, who is the uh, the big boss at Bet Rivers, Baby Capone. Thank you for giving me these opportunities. Randy Merkin is uh, the guy in charge of getting guests for us, like Mark Schlereth. Way to go, Merck. Sam Michael is my loyal and trustworthy producer. And also thanking Alex Pastor for everything he does and getting me information about where the odds are going, helping out on social media as well as Troy Mocker, the Washington Commanders fan, who says there is no chance in hell you will ever see the Redskins attached to the Washington football team again. It may may not be the Commanders very long, but it ain't ever going to be the Redskins again. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great NFL weekend. My name is Dan McNeil. So long. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider.